0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester Is Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Vane. As you can see, if you're watching this on the video format, I am joined once again by Dominic Booth. Hello. And by Tyrone Marshall. Hey, yeah. And what a... Uh... Well, I guess this week sort of sums up how quick perceptions can change in football. I mean, it was two weeks ago we were saying how much of a tactical genius Solskjaer was. And then, of course, we had the Arsenal and the Istanbul games. But at the weekend, it was another must-win match for Solskjaer. He's got this knack of being able to pull the rabbit out of the hat when he really needs to. We mention it almost every week, those matches last December against Tottenham and Man City, how the arrival of Bruno Fernandes turned out his form round in January and this time, it looks like it could be another turning point, although every time we say that, United end up going around in circles anyway. But, Dom, the game against Everton on Saturday it was nothing short of a, of a must win. United's fixture congestion didn't help them ahead of the game. Solskjaer spoke about that passionately after the match. And, and we'll get onto the fixture congestion and, and the scheduling, which has been quite unfair on United later in the podcast. But all that matters for Solskjaer at the moment is results. They had the performance to go with it on Saturday as well.
1: Yeah, I, I wrote before the game about how I thought Solskjaer would, would pick certain players, certain people who he thinks that he can trust and certain ones who would produce a performance and, and show that sort of energy and desire and intensity that the United would have needed to win at Goodison. And, and that's exactly the kind of team he did pick and exactly the kind of performance it was. I think um, the two standouts for me were Bruno Fernandes and Fred. They were both sort of, they both exemplified that sort of energy uh, that United needed. And in the first half, United just looked brighter and sharper than Everton. They just took up uh, better positions and and found space. And Everton was sort of a little bit off, off colour, I think, which is odd considering United had come back from a 4am arrival on Thursday morning from Turkey, as Solskjaer said afterwards. But yeah, it was a kind of performance that that sort of puts faith in, in Solskjaer's management and his ability to motivate the United players is probably not in doubt. It, it is that, as you said at the, st- at the start of the podcast, that tactical awareness and, and whether he can do it on a consistent basis. Because when it's back's up against the wall, as we've seen multiple times, he gets something out of this United team and they are playing for him. Exactly. And the, the talk of managerial change is going to have to be put off when Solskjaer's
0: producing results like that. But Tyrone, it must have been promising as well, as Dom said there, that it wasn't just a good performance from individuals, but the whole team sort of rallied behind Solskjaer. And it was quite emphatic the way that United went about their business. It was a no contest for for large parts of the game, particularly when United went behind. There was no real looking back. OK, there was a few shaky
2: moments in which maybe they rode their luck to a regard. But you always sense that United were going to win the game when they took the lead. Yeah, they did. It was a hugely impressive performance, perhaps the most impressive in the Premier League this season. But, I mean, for me, that just makes it more frustrating. They're just completely beyond analysis, this team, the way they can veer from such sublime highs to ridiculous lows. And, you know, it's hard to take anything from the game if this doesn't become the regular standard. And that's the challenge now. If we spend the next 18 months thinking Solskjaer's on the ropes when United have some bad results and then they pull off the odd good result. It's going nowhere, is it, for 18 months? This needs to become the norm. That inconsistency has to be a thing of the past because that's what's going to cost him. I wrote, I've read that individually, you know, second Solskjaer would be unfair, even more unfair after the weekend. But United have to find a much better level of consistency because this team can't be the one that throws in performances like they did against Istanbul and like Tottenham and then produce that against Everton, produce what they did against Leipzig, what they did against PSG. It's just, it's maddening for supporters and just makes no real sense, really. And they were clearly fuelled on on Saturday by a a sense of injustice over the the fixtures. I mean, Solskjaer was absolutely spot on that that it was an absolute shambles. Um, And they were clearly stung by the criticism. It was notably Maguire's post-match interview that they have been stung by the the criticism. But, I mean, Maguire kind of accidentally hit upon why they are being criticised when he, he talked about United being the biggest club in the world. And he's right that the noise around United is incessant and always has been. And the problem they've got is that they've hit this low and are trying to recover the the, the sort of Fergie years in an age of 24-7 football news and social media and, and there's constant debate and analysis. But if they want to be the biggest club in the world, then the biggest club in the world isn't 14th in the Premier League in being humiliated in Istanbul. So the, the challenge is that they produce this on a consistent basis. Now, it's hard to imagine any, United captain in the Fergie era, making such grand statements when you know United are 14th in the league and, and having had a terrible result in, in midweek in the Champions League. They probably are the biggest club in the world, but they're not on the football pitch at the moment. And, and that's ultimately what matters. And this set of players have proven time and again that they have these performances in them and they just have to be doing it every week. The, the time for excuses and inconsistency is over and this is what they can do. Everton are a good side. United completely outplayed them in every department on Saturday. So if they can do that, they need to be doing it every week. And the days of, of mad results need to be consigned to the past if they're, if they're going to make real progress.
0: Exactly. And like you said, they're tired. But, you know, they've pulled the, the rabbit out of the hat for now, but they're going around in circles. Every time we say they've yeah. turned a corner, they haven't. And they've got the international break now, which you know it, it'll buy Solskjaer enough time until next month, at least, you, you sense in that aspect. But if I just talk you through the fixtures that are coming up, United versus West Brom, United versus Istanbul, Southampton away, United versus PSG, West Ham away, Leipzig, City at home and then Sheffield United away is the next month of fixtures for United when they get back to action. And it wouldn't be ludicrous to say, yeah, I reckon United will beat City, PSG, but they'll lose to West Brom and West Ham. Because that's just sort of been the theme under Solskjaer so far. And you wouldn't back them. West Ham away sounds banana skin already. West Brom at home, no hapless West Brom. Surely even United can beat them, but nothing would surprise you right now. But Dom, do you think it is difficult, like Ty said, to to give you too much credit? Because they were were fantastic at the weekend, but they were fantastic against PSG. They were fantastic against Leipzig and they were abysmal against Istanbul last week. And it always seems at the back of your mind that as soon as United get their momentum, they're going to be halted again.
1: Yeah, they're too easily swayed. They're too easily sort of put off in, in games. An incident here or there can can just drop their confidence in a game and and that Denver bar goal against Istanbul they just froze after that they honestly just did not know what to do when passing out from the back they lost all their confidence that they showed in the first ten minutes of that game when they were pushing forward dominating probing for an opening you thought united are going to win this one or two nil it just the game just changed after that that moment and it's the same thing in the in the Spurs game after that Maguire sure catastrophe when Ndombele scored the equaliser about 30 seconds after uh, Bruno Fernandez's penalty. It was like, oh, we, we just we just don't know what to do now. We, we, it's not the kind of character that United are supposed to show and that Maguire talks about and Solskjaer talks about all the time. They talk a good game, those two, but they need to show it a lot more often. And, and I think it's down to people like Maguire to show leadership mid-game to rally the, around the troops to say listen you know we we can we can recover from this i mean they did it against everton they conceded a soft goal to bernard but they immediately hit back it didn't it didn't really alter their progress in that game it's, i think it is that sort of game management that united need to to do better and they're not they're not good at winning games when they're not playing well and that's what good teams do they they win ugly like i mean Mourinho Spurs, I, I'm not a fan of. I don't think they're, they're a great side, but they at the moment, they're grinding out results. And they did that against West Brom when not playing well. Scored a late goal through Harry Kane. Um, and that's what Mourinho can do with teams. He never did it really at United. But Solskjaer needs to develop that knack because when they play well, they're a very good team. Exactly. And Mourinho only really did when Fellaini was on the pitch, sort of salvaging grim draws
0: into grim wins. But uh, yeah, United aren't ever going to really be that long ball team who, who salvaged those late wins. And, you know, Solskjaer, the, all their rhetoric into Solskjaer is that's exactly what they're not. So you can't expect that too much. But uh, Ty, how impressed were you, in, were you in terms of individual? Because as Dom said there, when you think back to that Spurs game, some of the worst performers that day were the best performers against Everton. I Mm. think Maguire and Shaw were both excellent as well. I think Dom was right in terms of praising Fernandes and Fred as well. But for me, I think that was Maguire's best game maybe since his debut for United. And Luke Shaw as well, two assists in a week from him from the left wing. We were saying that, you know, he didn't offer enough going forward, but he's risen to another challenge as he did with Brandon Williams. Now, even when Alex Tellers is back, you might say, well, does he really go into the starting lineup every week? Because Mm. Shaw's arguably, and this might sound... Sure, how low the stands are, but he's arguably better going back at his own goal, and he's looking quite good going forward lately.
2: Yeah, he has. And the two assists this week have both been excellent crosses. I think there's another, you know, we talk about squad depth at United, and when they bring Cavani and Pogba on with eight minutes to go, that's probably the highlight of it. But but what you're seeing as well is that players like Gea and Luke Shaw, especially, have risen to the challenge this season. I think Gea's had a really good season so far. He's been faultless, really. And all the talk at the start of the season was, how long until he makes that costly mistake and, and Henderson comes in but actually what's happened is that Henderson has, has come in and De Gea has benefited from having a number two who has got the the drive and the ambition of, of Henderson when in reality De Gea knew he was it was never a threat Sergio Romero was never a threat to his place and it, it looks to me like De Gea has benefited from knowing there is someone breathing down his neck for his place and, and Luke Shaw seems to benefit from the competition as well you said last season that when Brandon Williams had made that place his own, I think come December last year, when when Shaw was back from an injury, he'd been written off by by a lot of supporters. Yet After that, he he had a run towards the end of the season where he was one of United's best players, and he he thrived from that competition under Brandon Williams and and fearing that Williams was going to take his place. Shaw was poor again at the start of this season, as soon as Alex Tellez comes in and he he raises his game. So it's not just the squad depth on the bench, it's the competition as well, which is making a big issue is making a big impact for for certain players. And defensively as a unit, I thought that was as well as they played in the Premier League this season, United, probably comfortably as well as they played as a unit defensively. They weren't really tested by Chelsea or Arsenal to the degree that they were by Everton. And they really stood firm. Maguire was excellent, probably his best game of the season. Um, And the midfield really, really worked as well. Like Dom says, I know we've got Fred's biggest fan on the podcast today. And, um, you know, he he was superb, Fred. I thought he was probably one of the matches. The energy he gives United is just superb and they're a much better pressing team when Fred's in the team because he can hold that defensive midfield position, but he can also press if Everton try and play short or any team try and play short and he makes a really big difference. The the concern with that midfield for me has always been that if Fernandes is having an off day, then Fred and McTominay don't really offer him enough creatively. and um, Fernandes has had too many off days recently, but when Fernandes is on song like he is on Saturday, then... It allows Fred and McTominay to, to do what they do, and and that midfield works really well when when that's happening.
0: Yeah, I was really impressed by it. there's that pass that Fred did over the top that released Rashford mm-hmm. as well. He should have scored it. we have been a, a great assist for him. But as you said, the balance just seems almost perfect of that that midfield when it, when it clicks. But you've got to remember the within instances when it hasn't worked as well. So it's it's like you said, Tyrone. It's so hard to analyze exactly where United are at at this current moment of time but Don, for you, you you wrote a piece saying you know United might know the best 11 again because post lockdown last year we knew United's best 11 and it was almost their downfall because they were so predictable and teams knew that if you could sort of nullify the, the two inverted wingers you'd have quite a good chance of, of stopping them and reducing the the fret albeit United did go on a, on a good run and their performance level sort of dipped towards the end of last season but do you think that Solskjaer really has found his best 11 now or at least the best 11 that he can trust in these games when and the pressure really is on.
1: Yeah, I think he has. I think I think it's more a case of personnel. I think that there's probably that 11th player in the team at the moment who you wouldn't nail down as, as, a, as a regular starter. I don't think Juan Mata will regularly start on the right wing. I think he's a good option um, every now and then. He, he was sort of maddening in the, in the Istanbul game, Mata. He can be very inconsistent, he can flit out of games quite easily, but I think Bruno Fernandes likes playing with him. I think Solskjaer is trying to get two playmaking types in the team at any one point, whether it's uh, Pogba and Fernandes or Fernandes and Mata. Maybe Van der Beek is one of those as well. Uh, So I think Solskjaer needs to have options. He needs to have the options to play five at the back. I think we probably see that. um, Maybe when they go away to Leipzig, I think definitely when they play Man City, you'll see the five at the back and maybe Tellez will come in and sure, we'll go into a, a back three. I think it's just good that, the Solskjaer, I mean, it was, it was obviously he was going to go back to four two three one against Everton. I think that's his, his bread and butter. He just needs to get more consistency in his selections now, more consistency in that starting eleven, the one that he trusts, and then more consistency in the formation that he plays. I think there's been too much flitting around uh, in recent games, and I think that sort of contributed a little bit to, to United's demise, especially against Istanbul. The system wasn't clear at all, and against Arsenal, it just didn't work. They just didn't get through Arsenal at all. In terms of the, the sort of squad
0: rotation, the one area in which Solskjaer seems to be the most loyal is with a centre-back partnership. And, you know, there was so much talk about what Twan could achieve after that PSG game, but not really got a look in, a fair look in any of, the, any of the sort of big games. You know, he came on uh, as a substitute uh, right-back, didn't he, or left-back in one, in one of the games uh, last week. And Victor Lindelof and Maguire, they've got the obvious downfalls. But Tyrone, do you think that Solskjaer's doing the right thing by just putting his faith in them no matter what at the moment because you can't buy a new defender till January at least Um Transabi isn't maybe quite there to be playing every single game so do you think Solskjaer has done well in terms of his management because I know the Istanbul game is obviously going to be detrimental to, to what we say now but the goals that they conceded against PSG and Newcastle were both own goals Arsenal scored for a penalty the Everton one OK, it's inexcusable, but you could say it's a lapse of concentration. But there are some signs, if you really want to be positive, that you know, his defence is getting better. It's still not at the level it needs to be at all. But do you think Solskjaer has managed that uh, centre-back partnership
2: well, or, or do you think he, he should be putting be in a, a serious competition? I, I think I think Lindelof and Maguire are probably pretty much his, his only options. We saw Baye come in against Tottenham and, and then quickly disappear again. Twanziby did really well in, in Paris, but then... It felt pretty damning that he was all off at half time last week. Um, so it, it kind of feels like he's got no option but to play Maguire and Lindelof. I, I'd like to see Twan be given a run at some point, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. Baye seems to be fairly well off it at the moment. See, he didn't play well when he came in against Tottenham. And I mean, Saskar said before that game he was in for tactical reasons rather than, than anything else. And it would seem to suggest that's the case, given he's, he's not featured since. And it, it's clear that even when he was playing well last season, he, he didn't get in the team and he didn't really pose a significant threat to Lindelof. So it seems the centre-back partnership is here to stay. Um, there are positive signs. I mean, they kept a lot of clean sheets on that, that good run last season as well. And, and in the end, I mean, they only conceded, I think, one more than City and two or three more than Liverpool. They're the third best defensive record in the league. But it did kind of feel a bit like a, a mirage, really, in that they hadn't actually defended that well. And like we say, there's been some pretty significant mishaps this season in, in certain games. The the record at the start of the season, when they conceded 11 in their first three, was dreadful. You could say, I suppose that back four, depending on the left back, is or certainly three of the back four, are pretty solid these days. That they, they still don't look a really cohesive unit to me, which is a concern given how, how often they've played. But that probably was their best performance of the season as a unit on, on Saturday. So I suppose the hope is that they build from that. But... There's so many centre-backs at this club, but really, as a partnership, I don't think Solskjaer's got much option beyond Lindelof and Maguire at the moment.
1: I think no, Lindelof has no. actually been really, yeah, really consistent this season whenever he's played. I think it's been Maguire's performance level that's dropped like a significant amount. I think Solskjaer probably trusts Lindelof maybe more implicitly, the way he reads the game. Um, it was terrific against Chelsea and... He's not really put a foot wrong. And then you he, he took him out of the team against Istanbul. I can't see that Denver bar goal happening with Lindelof in the side. I think he would have the the sort of wherewithal and awareness to cover that. Obviously, it was it was sort of Nemanja Matic's fault, really, as as uh, I think Paul Scholes pointed out that Mike Phelan shouted at Matic to get 20 yards further back and he, it was too late. But I think Lindelof does bring a bit of a calm head to that defence. I think he's probably a little bit underrated.
0: Yeah, I think particularly think about that PSG
1: game. I
0: think he was just as good, maybe as Twansea, but he doesn't get the credit because he's not the youngster who all the fans are behind and, and wishing to do well. You've got to remember as well, his, his poor form at the start of the season was because he wasn't fit. I mean, he wasn't selected for the first uh, Sweden squad uh, in, in early September because he wasn't fit enough. The manager said that he, he, he had a brutal sort of pre season. He hardly had a pre season. Um, he won't play for Sweden this week because of quarantine rules, but he wasn't going to play anyway because. He's due a rest. That's what the Sweden manager said. So, yeah, it probably is fair that Lindelof gets a, a bit of credit. But as we sort of said, it only takes one bad result next time out for United to, to be back to, to where they were. And Tyrone, I guess, you know, with all the Pochettino stuff knocking about, fans will want to know. I mean, usually if we're doing this live, all the comments would be ollie out, ollie out, ollie out, even after a win like that. Because as we've touched upon, we've said in this podcast, the same issues keep on reoccurring. Um, next month, Social will have had two years in charge of the club and many of the questions that were there when he took over still haven't been answered and it does feel like deja vu every time that I go around they really are a broken record but personally I think that Solskjaer has bought himself at least another month in charge now um, with the win against Everton you know the club have backed him they've never made it sort of clear that they, that they had doubts in him anyway and you know they've had this cultural reset and all that jargon thrown his way they, they really do back him and they'll point to the numbers in the summer window saying they've spent more than most of the elite sides in Europe they have backed their larger is what United's you know, rhetoric would say what do you think the immediate future holds
2: for Solskjaer at United? Uh, I think he's he's safe at the moment. Um, I think it would have been safe even if they'd lost, to be honest, on, on Saturday, in, unless it was a, a disastrous result and disastrous performance. United have invested a lot emotionally as well as fiscally, really, in, in his reign by appointing him early, appointing him in March. And like I said, the talk of this cultural reset. And he, does, he talks a really good game. He says what you want a United manager to say. He knows, you know, if you've to spend half an hour with him and ask him to describe how he wants his team to play, what sort of signings he wants, you'd come away thinking, he's the man. He knows, you know, he knows exactly what this team needs. The question is, is he the person to put it into practice? And he's kind of, you know, we we don't know if he's the person to put it into practice. And United don't know. United are still learning about him. The fact is, he wouldn't have got this job had he not played for United. He, he failed at Cardiff. He was a success at Mulder. But that doesn't tell us anything about his credentials to manage Manchester United, really. He's never had a job with a scrutiny like this, with, with a challenge like this, with players like this, with, with games at the level that, that these are. So he's kind of learning on the job and, and we're learning about him. And it, it still feels like we don't really know if he's if he's gonna be the person to take United back to where they want to be. It, if he was to if he was to walk away this week for whatever reason, which obviously not gonna happen, I think he would leave a bigger legacy than any other United manager post Fergie in terms of what he's done you know, on and off the pitch, really, in terms of bringing back a style, regenerating the squad, bringing a younger squad, getting the academy back on the right track and bringing players through. I think his legacy in that term is really secure. And if he's not the person to bring success back, whoever replaces him, I think we'll, we'll owe him a debt of gratitude for, for what he's done. But in terms of his, his own managerial credentials, it does feel like we're still finding out just how how good he can be. I mean, he's, he's claimed some pretty significant scouts really in, in you know, beating Guardiola three times last season. He's beaten Nagelsmann and Tuchel and Ancelotti this season. So he clearly knows how to set up a team for, for one-off games. It's just putting it all together over the longer term that that matters. But I think United are, are, are pretty set in him, really. I think things will have to go wrong again pretty badly over the next month for for him to to leave before Christmas. And, and really their fixtures over the next month suggest that that won't be happening. So it does feel at the moment like we're going to spend, I mean, he's approaching halfway through his three-year contract now and kind of feels like we're going to spend the next 18 months finding out just how far he can he can take this club and unless things go disastrously wrong then that's probably the situation we're going to be in it yeah, still sort of seems like the perfect sort of supporting direct to me. Like like I said, yeah. so
0: they're tight. most of his good credentials. He has he has seen a real overhaul of the club and the way they ran and some of the things that they do. You know the way that they they may be perceived in in the wider world. That there have been real positives to take and there is a real camaraderie between the United team. I know it's easy to say that you know these players are happy etc. But the, the team do believe in him We saw the last international break when Bruno Fernandes had that really passionate defence of him, saying that no one should try and sully the reputation of United. And you know. When United don't win, it's very easy to to point fingers at Solskjaer and say he's not experienced enough, etc. But like you said, Ty, there's always that caveat that whenever he plays against the best, he often fools them. But it's when he is to get up against. Teams you should be beating that expectations aren't always matched. And Dom, coming on to the the weekend, it did look like it could be a banana skin, particularly with the fixture schedule. And even when we read out United's fixtures after international break, it's still two a week. There's still difficult games. Uh, there's no sort of easy ones there, given United's poor record against against the smaller sides. But uh, do you think United have a real uh, argument on their case in terms of the fixture because they asked for it to move to Sunday? It almost seems like the TV companies were just praying for another United failure at Goodison Park.
1: Yeah, and that's what Solskjaer said, didn't he? He said he thought that they'd been set up to fail. And pretty strong words really. It is not really in Solskjaer's character to to go on the offensive as much as that. I mean, it did remind me a bit of Ferguson, um, uh, the way that he would go after the the organizers or the schedulers or whoever it may be that week in Ferguson's case, he was always on somebody's back. I liked it actually. I I, I thought it was I thought it was a fair point from Solskjaer. There's, there's no way that you should be playing in in Turkey on a Wednesday night and then a Saturday lunchtime when other teams have got games on Sunday evening or Sunday afternoon, or even you could even play on Monday night. Um, I know there's an international break coming up, but I just, I just think it's, it's not, other countries you have um, the league schedulers making it easy for the Champions League teams. I think they, they give them as much gap in between Champions League fixtures and league fixtures as they can to try and further their own case in Europe. And obviously you've got the thing of, helping the, the league's coefficient out and stuff like that. If you if you progress well in the competition, United defied it this time, but I wouldn't be surprised if in the future they if they have a similar case, then it takes its toll and, you know, the players might might be jaded and heavy in the legs. And if United suffer a defeat, no doubt we'll hear something similar from Solskjaer again. So yeah, I thought you had a valid case this time. I don't think anyone would argue otherwise.
0: No, exactly. It's it could be interesting to see how it's resolved. I mean it's easy to, to criticise them in the media, but that's exactly what they want because they'll have clips of that going viral on social media. It's almost given Sky and BT exactly what they want with the outcry and it being up for discussion, you know, trending worldwide. Tyrone, it's going to be an interesting international break now. I mean, from our point of view, gratefully United one should make it a bit more interesting in terms of things to write about. And the mood's a lot more positive than it was going forward. But. We've seen this weekend, and as Dom said before, we've seen Tottenham win. We've seen Liverpool and City still looking like the two best teams in the Premier League. We've seen Arsenal absolutely thrashed at home by Aston Villa um, and we saw the Leicester win as well at, at Wolves and we, again we've sort of been reminded of the teams who are really up for a title challenge this season and maybe the teams who, who are pretenders the ones who aren't quite there yet not quite the finished article you'd probably put United in that same category as the likes of Arsenal at the moment because there's positives but there's also big negatives but for you right now what do you think the mood is between Solskjaer and the board do you think that they really do believe that United can can challenge for the title
2: under him or do you think the gap is is still far too big I, I don't think they believe they can challenge this year I, I don't think they really believe that at the start of the season it, it that's quite what kind of makes the start of this season all the more frustrating that it is a season of of opportunity and you look at Leicester and Southampton and, and where they are at the moment and by virtue of having a good start they've kind of Inserted themselves into talk of a title race if, if it does pan out as a weird season, whereas United have had a poor start and they're not really being considered for, for that. I, I mean, I don't think it will be an open title race this year. I think at some point City and Liverpool will put their foot down, string eight, ten wins together, and everyone else will be left in their wake. I think it'd be those two again that, that are holding the top two positions. I think United have to focus on trying to finish third again, really, and, and just close the gap, which should be achievable since it won't take 99 or 98 points to win the league this season. I think. United's aim this season was, was always just to get closer to the top two and presuming they are the top two at the end of the season that's that's what they need to do but I do think that you know they, they had a poor start last season and were out of the title race by by this stage this time because Liverpool and City haven't set the world alight they could be not out of the title race and, and United could you know United could win every game between now and the middle of December and probably be top of the league mm-hmm. we don't expect them to do that but the, the the slow start this season is more recoverable than their slow start last season, and they managed to recover that as well and finish third. But it kind of makes it even more frustrating that they have started slowly, when really this this could have been a real opportunity for them. They had a good fixture list to start the season, that they had a, home games against teams who were around them. You know, if they'd won two of three against Tottenham, Chelsea, and Arsenal, and and not lost at home to Palace, then you'd be saying they could be right in the title race. Instead, they're kind of blowing a, a presentable opportunity to insert themselves in that discussion and, and instead it's it's kind of a negative mood around them. So that's that in a way that's what makes their start all the more frustrating, even though it is more recoverable than last season.
0: Don, do you agree in terms of where Ty thinks they could finish third the, the best that we could really hope for from being that point of view this season. I mean, do you think that they, they can do that? Uh, do you think their place in the Champions League really is still in jeopardy?
1: I think it is, yeah. I think that they've got a play well for it because I think there's that many more challenges this season for those top four places. I mean, it lists the amount of teams. There's probably 12, pe- 12 teams who think they can finish in the top four at the moment. It's getting like the championship playoff situation where more than half the league thinks they should get promoted. It's, uh, it's going to be really interesting when United come up against um, these sort of teams that we previously thought were mid-ranking, but obviously flying high at the moment. You know, Southampton, Villa, uh, wildly inconsistent, but obviously incredibly dangerous on their day. Um, obviously, United were, were hammered by Tottenham, and but it would be interesting when they play them again. Everton, they've just beaten, who were riding high earlier in the season. So I just, I think it, it's still, the league is still in flux. I do agree with Ty that the City and Liverpool will probably stretch clear, but I don't think it'll be by a huge amount. I mean, the second half of their their game... On Super Sunday was incredibly cagey. It was it was like two teams who who did fear that they might be out of the title race or, or suffer a big blow in the title race if they conceded a goal, and that's why it finished one-one. I think United um, finishing third or fourth would probably be a successful season, especially in the context of the summer transfer window that they had. They didn't really make the moves to to close the gap significantly to second, obviously with a failure to sign. Jaden Sancho being the headline from that. I think I put out a poll on the MEN Twitter on Sunday asking fans where they think United will finish this season. And I think a good chunk said top three. I think more, more said top three than any other uh, position that I put out there. I think a, a 15% minority said outside the top six. I certainly don't see that happening. I think some of these teams will drop off. I just think of United, it, like Ty said, it is a case of closing that gap as much as they can. Finishing third, but being 10 points off second or top would be very, very successful. But I, I, would, I put absolutely no money on that happening at the moment. You can't put any money on the Premier League as it is at the minute. No,
2: exactly. I
1: think,
2: Go on, I think I think one of the big unknowns this season and, and kind of what we saw yesterday, it was really Casey's second half yesterday and it was noticeable last 20, 25 minutes that both sets of players just looked absolutely spent, that the first 45 was played at such a tempo that, that they were done in really. and. De Bruyne looked exhausted for City at the end. Um, there was a spell where Liverpool had a, a very brief attack towards the end of the game, and, and Hotter and Salah were just hands on their knees, clutching for air. And I think this is going to be a pattern throughout the season, really, especially for teams in Europe, like United City and Liverpool, that the schedule is just so ridiculously demanding. We've got the farcical situation where this is the only major league in Europe to have three subs. And, and the players are just being flogged to their absolute limits. So injuries and fatigue is going to play a real part. and that potentially does open it up to a team like Southampton who aren't in Europe. Not sure if they're still in the League Cup or not. I don't think they are. Um, Who aren't going to have as many midweek games. And I think that's going to have a a huge advantage as the season goes on, where a team like United, it was still in the the League Cup, uh, I think City City are still in the League Cup, they're going to be playing twice a week, constantly really. I think they'll be playing twice a week, every week until at least the new year. So the, the demands on the players when there's only three subs are absolutely ridiculous, really. And I think that was part of why Soscar was so unhappy about the fixtures. And I think United were were very pleased to see Jurgen Klopp kind of back his corner yesterday in, in his post-match press conference as well. And that's kind of made it a bigger issue than just United versus BT Sport and Sky and, and the Premier League. Klopp getting involved has, has kind of widened it out into, you know, all the clubs in Europe. And and what Klopp said was was pretty sensible, really. The teams who play on a Wednesday night shouldn't be playing Saturday lunchtime. And, mentioned Tottenham playing midday yesterday when they've been on Bulgaria and Thursday as well. And with that and with this far score situation with three subs, I think the, the demands on players this season are just completely insane. And we're going to see a lot of injuries and a lot of fatigue and, and that's probably going to have a wildcard effect on this league in terms of, of who does pick up injuries and and the tiredness of players and, and the benefit for teams not in Europe is going to be huge.
1: The other you know, um the-, the other elephant in the room, and the other wild card, Rich, is the possible return of supporters as well. Like hmm. It does that does that sort of back close your season? You want as many home games as you can in front of supporters if they come back, let's say, in March, and you get really, you know, if United have a, a big home game in front of fans that they had an away game without fans, obviously a massive benefit to them. So I think there's some positive news about a coronavirus vaccine this morning, so who knows when fans might return and what we might, might see with the rest of this season. It's like a complete unknown at the moment, isn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think, that, to me personally, cause that's why United's home form has been so dire this season because there's just no fear factor of going to Old Trafford anymore. You know, There's so much expectation on United to win every single home game and the away teams just have a free hit now. Um, no matter what stature they are of, they just go to Old Trafford and they know if United are cagey at all and the pressure on United and, you know, it's a lose lose situation, a win win situation for the Vincent teams, and a lose lose situation almost for United in every oh. home game. And to me, that's why the home so- form has suffered so much. And like I said, West Brom at home next after the international touch- break, it, it does look like it could be banana skin, but we should know how far Solskjaer has come by that time. But, uh, Dom, Tyrone, thank you very much for joining us once again on the Manchester is Red podcast today. Thank you, thank, thank you very much, and thank you very much for listening in again. As I say every week please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already and we will see you again next time